0: Speaking of Reliability, a podcast with good friends talking with you about reliability engineering topics. Welcome to Speaking of Reliability. This is Fred Schenkelberg.
1: And this is Chris Jackson. And we're going to go through a Mini case study of a real world military reliability conundrum slash atrocity when it comes to.
0: Well, that never happens. You know that.
1: <laughs>
0: you found one. <laughs> amazing.
1: Oh, no, I didn't have to look too hard. But um, in this, this case, we're going to be talking about this thing called the Joint Light Tactical Vehicle or JLTV, which has been, uh, which is now part of the US Department of Defense or the the US DOD's fleet of armoured vehicles, and it's actually used by a few militaries across the world as well. But I think this is a really good case study. um, Amongst other things, there is some information which has been released to the public, which we can obviously quote and talk about and and interrogate, which is not always the case in military projects. But secondly, I think it really does bring a spotlight onto some of the many really stupid assumptions uh, big, grey, bureaucratic corporate organizations tend to make about testing as as their main philosophy for making reliability happen.
0: The topic, just in in general, and and it was a discussion with somebody just a couple of days ago, and they were in the Navy, and rotating into – and part of the organization that oversees contracts and delivery, and it's from a reliability aspect of it, kind of reminded me what y- you were doing coming from Australia and, and then rotating uh-huh. back to a reliability team within the, organ- within the, the military. And I think it was related as much to procurement or to maintenance or, or both, I'm not yeah. sure. Um, but they were like, I'm only here for a year. And I know that this is a frustrating problem and we have, you know, case studies, people are talking about us and laughing at us because we can't get this stuff right. But it's such a big problem. Why? why I can't solve it in a year. Right. You know, and he says, what you can do is set the stage to start solving it. <laughs> You know, yeah, you can admire it, which is, I think, a lot of what Congress does. But uh, it's like, what are you going to do to actually change it? And somebody's got to start. So anyway, this discussion, I think, is lining up to something I had recent discussions about and frustrations. But this was the one I was talking about was in the Navy, which I don't think the Navy does joint light tactical vehicles. So.
1: I think technically the Marine Corps has it, which is part of the Navy. But anyway, yeah. so um, I mean, but you and I are ex-military, so we have been privy to some absolutely awful group decision-making approaches to try trying to get equipment that one works for the soldiers, sailors, and airmen, and two is worth the money we spend getting it. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think Western militaries have pulled those two unique combinations of. Of or new, those two unique metrics of success together for a long time, but anyway, maybe maybe we should launch into the scenario I'd have at, I have it. I have it hand. I do have some uh, some quotes and some stuff uh, from the actual documents which have been released. So there is uh, no no ambiguity. But uh, mm-hmm. to set set the scene, the Joint Light Tactical Vehicle. Um, many of us have heard of the Humvee, which is sort of like a bigger, beefier. Uh, more Arnold Schwarzenegger version of a Jeep um, yeah. that sort of became the general service vehicle. And the Humvees were, were, for what they were designed to do, pretty good. But then, of course, when the adversaries that the troops using those Humvees were fighting became more adept at things like improvised explosive devices, then all of a sudden we need to strap armor to these Humvees. And armour, as a rule, is really, really heavy, and then all of a sudden the Humvees are underpowered and all sorts of other issues when we try to put this armoured protection around a vehicle which is never designed to have that armour protection on it. So mm-hmm. it's not a criticism of the Humvee, but essentially we had to move on. And that was essentially the genesis of this thing called the Joint Light Tactical Vehicle, which is designed to be armoured, to be sort of roughly slot. Comparable in size, of the Humvee it is bigger, but it's certainly not a Mack truck or a tank size. Um, and it's going to have, like I said, the armor, but lots of other things too, like inbuilt uh, electrical generation capabilities and and uh, communication systems as as part of how it rolled it. And so the USDOE essentially released this idea for a new vehicle to the world, and a bunch of uh, defense contractors came back with their attempts to design a vehicle that met the requirements or the the vision. And there's quite a few that responded. And essentially, the one that got chosen was the vehicle designed by a company called Oshkosh. And while there is never at least publicly one uh, single reason for a a defence customer saying, I'm going to pick that one and not this one, in many many ways, we're pretty comfortable that the issue that was for first and foremost in the decision maker's mind was reliability. Um, so much so that when they did reliability demonstration testing, let's just let's sort of uh, laminate that phrase, demonstration testing, because we need to come back to it. Um, the requirement was only met by one vehicle, and that was the Oshkosh JLTV. In fact, it turned out that it was having about three times fewer failures than what the requirement said was okay. So three times fewer, three times better. And it was actually having five times fewer failures than its nearest competitor. Um, one of its competitors, uh, I think Lockheed Martin, that was didn't get awarded the contract, they initiated a protest and that forced, the, well, didn't force, but the DOD decided to say, hey, the reason we went with Oshkosh is because... They had it demonstrated <laughs> that they were experiencing five times less failures than your vehicle. Are there any questions? Lockheed Martin said, no, thank you very much. Protest withdrawn. So in a way, we have we have been able to uh, peer into the decision-making process as to why Oshkosh JLTV was chosen, because it was the most reliable. And then, of course, um, it, this, these were based off prototypes. And those prototypes were obviously based on the design. The design was clearly had the capacity to be robust. But after they started uh, being manufactured and, and introduced into service, <clears throat> there was a problem, in fact, a lot of problems with liability. And there was a report to Congress that um, essentially said, The uh, I've got the report in front of me right here, so I want to make sure that I get the wording correct. So they essentially said that the jail, all jail TVs are not operationally suitable because of deficiencies in reliability, maintainability, training, manuals, crew situational awareness, and safety. Now Couple of those things deal with reliability. In fact, actually all of them, apart from crew situational awareness. However, when you scratch the surface, that actually is based on the fact that some of these the situational awareness thing, uh, systems were not working all the time. <laughs> JLTVs demonstrated less reliability than its requirement. So, just to set the scene, we had those prototypes demonstrate they were experiencing three times fewer failures than the requirement. But once they were started being manufactured and then issued to units and used by soldiers. Turns out that these vehicles they were receiving were not meeting the requirements. The primary drivers of operational mission failures were engine wiring problems, flattened damaged tires, brake system faults. There was also um, they also said crew had slow egress from JLTVs because of numerous reliability failures of doors not opening, etc. 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 There's lots of other commentary at uh, units. Uh, Things like units cannot maintain the JLTV without support from the contractor due to vehicle complexity, ineffective training, poor manuals, and challenges with troubleshooting the vehicle. JLTV will require more maintenance than the Humvee based on the maintenance ratio demonstrated in a previous testing regime. The health monitoring system is not accurate and reduces crew and maintainer confidence in the system. Uh, I could go on, but hopefully you sense sense the uh, the key message. Now, what has happened really recently is that Oshkosh, who was who designed this vehicle, who has been manufacturing the vehicle, essentially the USDOD said, you know what? You're not going to manufacture this anymore. We're going to take the design you came up with and we're going to get somebody else to Oops. manufacture these vehicles for you. And that happened this year. And the comp- comp- company which is now manufacturing AM, uh, these vehicles uh, JLTVs is a company called AM General. Bit of history is AM General designed its own JLTV that competed against the Oshkosh's JLTV to try and win the win the initial contract way back when, and the AM General vehicle is one of the many vehicles which the Oshkosh vehicle appeared to be much more reliable then. So it's funny how things work.
0: <laughs> That's who you know in Congress sometimes, uh, <laughs> But what I mean, why? What was the idea of switching the manufacturing? Is it manufacturing related problems that, cause reliability is often in the design uh, feature of it. And it makes me question the validity or usefulness of the demonstration test or did, or is it just the variability of not being good at manufacturing that that's leading to the problems?
1: Well, we'll come back to that one too, because um, amongst other things, defense contractors tend to be political animals and PR animals more than anything else. And so there's an article that's now in Forbes written by uh, a person called Lauren Thompson, who is a senior contributor for all things aerospace, aerospace and defense. And lo and behold, just so happens that Oshkosh contributes to the think tank or whatever you call the whole group of, uh, a group of people who uh who work at Forbes for uh their work. So just so happens there's an article written essentially decrying why the hell would um uh, is it okay for the US DOD to, to stop asking Oshkosh to manufacture these vehicles and start asking AM general. One of the issues was is that the, the article argues that Oshkosh has a warm production line, an established supply chain, experienced workforce, relevant intellectual property and a moderate 7% operating margin. So clearly Oshkosh has been opening the books a little bit to help the uh, author of this article. But uh, in in the article it says, it also says, given its track record for reliability and price discipline, Oshkosh, which is in the article, and I quote, a contributor to my think tank may have a point. The uh, question I'd ask you is what track record, track record for reliability? But anyway.
0: Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. Is, yeah, it's so it's all sunk cost, you know. It's You're not meeting the requirements there. We're going to find a different solution.
1: Right. <laughs> and, so, and so, I mean, we don't actually know why, they, why defense, USDOD, changed. We can have a pretty good guess, though. And one of the many things that I think de- defense and bureaucracies get – Uh, focus too much on is this idea of demonstration testing. I am staggered by the amount of pseudo-formalism that goes into demonstration testing. It can't be this. You can't touch that. It has to be operational circumstances. Um, the, the, The test mission profile needs to be specified to the second. And yet we have a clear example of something which demonstrated reliability. You can't see my air quotation marks. Yeah where it's three times more reliable than, than the requirement. But then when they start providing these 20,000 vehicles to the units, it's not meeting the requirements.
0: And there's, there's not, I mean, in this case, they lost the manufacturing part of it. I wonder if they also lose the, the uh, logistics support, you know, if they're not selling components or uh, doing the depot repair levels type stuff. Because um, that would hurt them. Then that's a whole profit stream. That comes out of these contracts all so often that goes away. Uh, I'm just speechless because I've seen it too many times where a company designed something, allegedly meets the requirements, but as soon as you add a handful of uh, dust to it or you give it to a soldier that, you know, I, and I did it myself. I, we had these radio mounts that those were some robust connectors that you slam this thing into. It was like a 25 pound radio box. And you, if it was first thing you did is you pull it out of the socket and slam it back in. <laughs> and <laughs> a lot of times that got it working again. Yep. Until you just slammed it one too many times and you just shattered the, the connectors. And then, then you couldn't put any radio in it. And it right. a problem, but, uh, the stuff I got to deal with was so robust, you know, there wasn't the rip pace of innovation and all of the, you know, situational awareness. when you first said that, I said, they had windows on this vehicle. <laughs> 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 Is that what you mean? <laughs> no, I, it was a, some exotic sensor array and, and, you know, algorithms and computers and all the other crap that does, you know, like a lo- local radar basically, or whatever they're using. But it was like, yeah, we're, we're asking a lot in these military systems and they are complex. There's no doubt about it. Um, But the demonstration test is, I agree with you. It's the, it's like showing up, you know, to a drag, you know, to a a stock car race with an Indy car and it's so finely tuned, but it'll only work for the 100 Mm -hmm. laps. That's it. (laughs) It'll go really, really fast but you're not going to bring that vehicle back next week without overhauling it. Whereas, you know, where this, they, they know it's a big deal. They have to get it right. There's immense pressure to hand build the demo units and make them work. And it's like, Oh my God.
1: So there's, so I'll just summarize your sort of thoughts. One is where the operational conditions vary from test conditions, which means that this alleged demonstration test demonstrates nothing. Right. And again, this is conjecture here. If I'd have a guess, actually, I I think that demonstration tests for military vehicles tend to be pretty, pretty robust because you can, like it's it's just hours of driving over different terrain and different serials. But that's, that's my experience kicking into, into, into my opinion. But But, that said, but you
0: know, but the, the vendors will, will not agree to go do some, you know, let's put a, 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 a company worth of these vehicles together and, and send them to one of our training facilities where you simulate battle conditions. You, you know, teams go out and shoot at each other with light and sensors pick up hits and stuff like that. And then see how they do under simulated, as close as you can get to real conditions. I'm thinking of there's a big facility in Southern California that does this stuff. And they have these battalion on battalion type of maneuvers. Um, and they can really shake stuff out pretty darn quick. Right. You know, it's not a, a prescribed, we're going to have 15 feet of mud with this viscosity and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, come on. Give it to real soldiers. Let them go do what soldiers do.
1: Right. So th- so there you go. So summarize that, that that issues is the test conditions differ from operational conditions. Yep. Which it, and it's it's often hard to simulate soldier conditions. But anyway, so that, that's number one. Yeah. But number two in this case, I think this is my favorite one, is that the test vehicles are not the same as the actual vehicles.
0: It's not even a representative sem- uh, sample either. It's, it's ludicrous to think that those are representative.
1: Right. And I think why are people saying that? Well, the design's good and everything else. But I have seen, I would say, virtually every defense acquisition project focuses almost exclusively on demonstrating a design based on prototypes. And then everyone pays lip service to manufacturing. There's no point designing an amazing vehicle, which it appears as if this design was pretty amazing because it was able to achieve that level of um, reliability during demonstration testing. And I understand notwithstanding those things, uh, it was, let's just, in terms of compar- comparison to the the market, yeah. five times better than the, than the next one. Yeah. Um I would hazard a guess that this in part comes down to manufacturing. You get, the, you get, awarded, the, get awarded the contract and the, and the customers as much at fault as anybody else here because it's the customer, the defence um, machinery that essentially every single document you see about reliability for defence acquisition projects come down to passing a demonstration test. Which happens before you start manufacturing these things.
0: Yep.
1: And so no one is culturally inclined to think about manufacturing. It'll it'll just happen. Oh, mass production. We'll will quality control our way out of any problem. And so <laughs> we'll
0: just make enough I, so we have spares. <laughs> right. So
1: I think this is just a really big eye opener for. Hey, there's no point. There's no point designing something that's amazingly reliable if you're going to lose it all by manufacturing substandard. junk. Yep. Um, I go back to this this issue that our man in Forbes wrote saying, well, Oshkosh has a modest oper- operating margin of 7%. Yeah, that's based on how much it costs for them to manufacture these vehicles. Doesn't mean competitors are all going to be um, uh, paying the same, uh, will be spending the same amount of money. Because as you and I both know, some of the higher quality manufacturers are actually tend to be the cheaper ones because they don't have to fight fires every five minutes on the production line.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so it's just it's just a big eye-opener, I, I would argue, for people who are involved in this space. This is, for me, em- symptomatic of virtually every defence project I've been involved in. It's um, We try and force something over the finish line with demonstration testing and everyone forgets about reliability. And then quite literally the wheels start falling off <laughs> when soldiers try and use <laughs> these things for the first time. And it's because, at least in this industry, I'd argue that they just don't even know what manufacturing is. They assume, well, the specification says these need to be within this tolerance, so if it's not, then we can sue people. No, no, that's not
0: how it works. No. Well, I mean, it's not limited to the military industry. It's uh, the auto industry has struggled through this through years, you know? They get this cool... I mean, I got in a a convertible, a Mustang and it was, it had three miles on it. It was brand new and it was a rental car and the door went close. I opened the door and sat in the vehicle and I am not, you know, 800 pounds. I, I sh- my frame at that time. And even now should not bend the chassis so that the door doesn't fit anymore. <laughs> I was like, what in the world? You know, it's one of the very few cars I got in, and and immediately got back out and said, "I don't want this car." And he says, wow, you're the third person of the day that didn't want this car." <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just, um, I don't know. What what else what else am I missing there with this? Uh, I, don't know if I covered the two months
0: <laughs> Well, I mean, part of it is the contracting part, and 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 I agree with you. Is the, the government and the way they go about doing these contracts is is. Fraught with lots of problems, not just reliability-related issues or manufacturing-related issues, Um, and it's not. And I don't think the issue is is all that unique just to the military. It's just that they do it rather poorly in in, over and over again. Um, But it was it's one of those things, and I spent a good part of my time in when I was at HP. Uh, working with vendors to make sure that they could manufacture it. We would assess organizations for their capability to manufacture our products. And I mean, we ran very specifically designed test boards that we would then disassemble and and do really detailed metal, metallurgy. I don't know what, analysis of the solder joints to make sure that it was formed properly at the molecular level, you know, at, at very basic level. And, and they looked at us like we were nuts that we were asking all these questions and we didn't just walk down the line and then go get lunch and say, all right, everything's good. No, (laughs) we spent a week there and we ran tests and we ran, you know, boards and did detailed analysis. And that information was often the deciding factor. No, we're not doing business with you because you do this, 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 and this wrong.
1: (laughs) Right. It's, I mean, it's, I mean, when you look at – I mean, the JLTV is, is – it's a technological step forward. And then often people say, well, it's a new technology, so therefore expect issues and, and problems. <laughs> yeah. But when you read the, but a read the braking system having, doesn't
0: work? Come on.
1: <laughs> we, we have been doing braking systems for bigger vehicles than JLTVs for over 100 years. Yep. If you can't get that right, that's your issue. We, we're talking about doors not working we're talking about engine wiring problems, and damaged tyres. Now, just to be clear, when we say flattened damaged tyres, most people will think, well, okay, well, uh, if, if a tyre is flat on my car, it usually means that I've driven over something sharp. Is that really the vehicle's fault? Well, these tyres for these sort of vehicles are actually mini-machines in their own right. Um, they're, they're very – they often have what's called um, CTIS – Centralized tire inflation systems because they need to be, um,
0: not they flat. need to have
1: <laughs> right, but also need to have their pressure dropped for certain terrain and increased for, for others. Mm-hmm. And so, there's the, the tires aren't just tires, there's there are uh, they, they are they're not things you can buy from
0: <laughs> the tire shop down the road.
1: No, 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 they're they're quite complex, but by the same token, we have been doing this in mining industries and military industries for decades. So we're not talking about Zulu rays or some weird sort of technological phenomenon which is just rear its ugly head for this brand new spaceship of a vehicle no it's, we're talking about drivers of failure being well-known issues that should never be allowed to happen Engineering, engine wiring problems are either design issues or manufacturing issues no. We could probably keep going on that. But the doors having reliability failures, as they call it in this report, let's just call it the failures. <laughs> How long has humankind been designing and manufacturing doors for Fred? <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> it's, yeah.
0: no, it's, I know uh, these are heavy doors. <laughs> well, they should have called Carl because I think he got his start uh, testing doors for Did GM, they? I think it was. Yeah. He had a, a machine that slammed doors in different ways.
1: Right. Yeah, it's but with, yeah, it's just it's just really really interesting. There's also some other things here where they appear to be, you know, there's a complaint about visibility due to blind spots around the vehicle. That's a design issue. So you accept the design as is, customer. So yep. why are you complaining about that now? <laughs> I mean, so it's it's just a a weird rant of a. It's it's hard to look at this seriously from an engineering perspective, but this is unfortunately the language that most defense customers tend to use. And they don't understand. They they can't even use the words that they need to understand to get it right.
0: Well, one of my closest interaction to this bureaucracy, other than being in the, in the military um, was the missile command. Um, One of their, they had a request to one of their prime suppliers, um, to create a document that reflected well. How do they do it in industry? How do how do people like HP folks, you know, or or GM? How do they go about designing and building products that you know actually work um, more often than not? And whereas we're just struggling with every program one after another, it, without getting into in all these details, that it came to me as a contract to write a. A life cycle document, basically, for how do you go about designing and you know a reliable product and it was really the charter what the folks from the missile command wanted it was what are this what's the secret that you guys do that makes it work and I said, well, <laughs> you know here's my experience here's the basic product life cycle and the types of activities at different points and and the checks and balances and you know you design it in and blah 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 and and um, and it was, I don't know, it's supposed to be like a 20 page document of just, this is different. This is the mm-hmm. way we do it. And, and you can adopt chunks of that into your own system. It, it I mean, if I, if I'm designing a computer or I'm designing a, a missile guidance system, which is a computer with sensors, they're not that different, right? And it might have different requirements and stresses and all the other happy stuff that go with it. But it's a product. You can design this and and such a way that you can manufacture it, and it works. And uh, they were, and it never got implemented or adopted because the the prime contractors didn't see enough loopholes for them to get through whatever the hell they mm-hmm. wanted to get through. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, you guys are crazy.
1: Right. I mean, and going back to the Forbes. Um, the, the Forbes article is just, obviously it's, it's not it's not being paid for, but you can see there's some
0: favourable yeah, right. press. And, yeah, favourable press. Yeah.
1: It's amazing how they knew about the seven percent operating margin. But there's also other things like it says that um, Oshkosh should have been the low bidder because they're the ones who know how to do this, and therefore, if it wasn't a, if they didn't go with Oshkosh again, it's because someone else. Uh, bid lower price, therefore that's an unrealistic bid. Oshkosh has a better credit rating. There, Oshkosh does this. Oshkosh, uh, AM General is private equity owner. Blah 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 blah. And you go. Not one of these criticisms or complaints or rants deal with engineering or building stuff. Yeah, it's all about the stuff that looks good on a glossy brochure for someone who's trying to convince a politician to go this way instead of that way. It's yeah. And I think that's part of the recalls as well.
0: Well, yeah, no, the the prime contractors that serve the, I mean, they have massive buildings in the in the loop around DC, and oh, yeah. they're major contributors to campaigns and you know lobbying and all that other stuff. So it's yeah, you know, there's not that many soldiers that get to go lobby Congress. <laughs> I just you know. It's it's frustrating. I don't have a good answer for the overall thing. I understand the problem, and I think there are ways to go about solving it. It's going to take more than just one or two people to do it. So it's mm-hmm. time to start a major campaign to, to fix this <laughs> thing. But uh, you know, if you're listening to this, it, you know it may sound familiar in your industry. You know, if you're building an aircraft and you get the demo right, and then you know some company buys a hundred of them and find out you really don't know what you're doing. Um, you you may not want to, you know, give us the details so we can talk about it on our podcast, but uh, you may know of other similarities or other frustrations in other industries that are on, on par with this kind of thing. Um, the hard part with the, the tactical vehicles case study is that it's, it's a lot of tax money just kind of going down the hole. Um, so that, that hurts just individually to, to our, to people that are funding this stuff. But uh, if you're listening to this and got a comment or a question or a thought on this, let us know. Head over to com slash go slash S-O-R. And there's a couple of ways to get in touch with us there. Chris and I are available as well as the other hosts of the show, uh, via uh, LinkedIn or our about pages on the site, so plenty of ways for you to to join us on the show and 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 get your ideas, questions, or opinions of, uh, integrated into the next upcoming episodes. So that would be that would be fantastic. Uh, so you, you, we're not going to see these vehicles like Humvees become personal vehicles. Are they are they road safe at least?
1: I don't, I don't think they're going to be. Some of the public, the way Humvees are, they are, uh, sure they're road safe, but I just don't think they're...
0: <laughs> not safe for anything around them. <laughs>
1: no. Well, they, they, they are a different beast, suffice to say. All right.
0: All right, cool. Well, I'm not going to go out and look for one. Um, just sounds like I could find it, you know, on the ditch someplace, stuck, not working. <laughs> but uh, so it goes. It, I'm just frustrated. I'm more speechless than <laughs> I should be on this one, but... Yeah,
1: it's Every, like, it whatever. Taxpayer should be a bit frustrated.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thanks much, Chris. We'll talk to you again soon, I'm sure.
1: Always a pleasure, Fred.
0: Thanks for listening to Speaking of Reliability. We invite you to join the conversation. If you have a question or a topic that you think we should discuss in a future show, please let us know. You can find a comment box below the episode show notes or just leave a note as part of a review on iTunes.